Colossians. And we want to start about that 25th verse. And we'll read to verse 28. Wherefore, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the ministry which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his uh, majesty among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Eloquent talked about God's purpose and you know that sanctification is a part of God's purpose for your life. Sanctification is a a part of God's purpose for your life. Now, before we get to sanctification, we want to look at verse um, 28. Paul said he preached warning to every man. Now, we know what warning is all about. We receive them on our food. There's an expiration date. And that relieves the person who, who, who made and manufactured the food. If you eat it past that date, He's not responsible. <laughs> He's giving you the date. Um, there's warning on some of our electrical appliances. Don't be using those electrical appliances and taking a bath at the same time. You might have a shocking experience. <laughs> there's warning on your on your microwave. <laughs> don't don't put metal in the microwave. <laughs> and you know what? The microwave is one appliance that could shock you even though it's unplugged. So take warning of that. Note it. Take note of that. Microwave, can you still can get shocked from the microwave when it's unplugged. Okay? That's just a warning. Now, if you don't believe it and you get shocked, well, you had the warning. <laughs> you had the warning. So Paul preached warning to every man. In 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter and the 14th verse, he said, he, he didn't write these things to shame you, but as beloved sons, I warn. Let's go to the fourth chapter of um, 1 Corinthians. Hold on to your um, Colossians. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and he said that um, he didn't write these things to shame you, but he wanted to warn you. So what did he want, want to warm them up, warn them of? Well, he, in the, in, in the first Corinthians, in the fourth chapter, I'm just kind of skim through the chapter, he warned them about not being faithful to God in, the, in that second verse. He warned them about judging in that third verse. Um, he warned them about not sticking, looking too up too, up too high to a man. Um, I know there's people that we have confidence in, but he says some have confidence in Apollos, 
And some had confidence in Paul, and some had confidence in Cephas. And Paul said, you know what? I didn't die for none of you all. And so we had to look up to Jesus. And sometimes we want to cling to a man, but you got to let go. And our focus needs to be on Jesus. And so he said, I don't write these things to shame you uh, as my beloved sons. I just, I just want to warn you. Because a lot of times when great men of God fall, they take a lot of people down with them. So it's, important, it's so important to stand. Um, in First Thessalonians 5.14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. So Paul said, there was a time that I preached warning. I just preached a warning. And we have warnings in our lives that maybe wasn't preached to us. And, and I think all, all of us been there where we say, you know what? I need to go to church. That, that was a warning on the inside of you to make you want to go to church. I, I, I need to stop saying what I'm saying. That was a warning. I'm not, I need to stop thinking the way, I'm, the way I'm thinking. I need to stop doing the things that I'm doing. That Just a warning on the inside letting you know that I need to make a change in my life. Now, the greatest warnings that we've seen in the Bible was when Moses tried to warn Pharaoh. He tried to warn Pharaoh. The water became blood. That was the first warning. And Pharaoh still didn't take heed. There was a plague of um, frogs. Frogs all over the place. Can you imagine that? Frogs all over the place just like grass. And still, Pharaoh just didn't take heed. Then after the frog, there was flies. Pharaoh still didn't take heed. There was the, the death of the Egyptian cattle. And, and Pharaoh still didn't take heed. There was, there was hail mingled with fire. You think if you see that, you know, you say, this has got to be God. <laughs> but you know what? Pharaoh didn't, didn't take heed to that. There was a plague of locusts. A warning. Pharaoh still didn't take heed to that. There was a plague of darkness. And, and Pharaoh didn't take heed to that. You know, sometimes God tries to get our attention and warn us. And if we would take heed to God's warning, we might have to go through some things. Through some, some things. Then finally... There was a plague of the firstborn to die in every land. And Pharaoh finally took heed. But you know what? He didn't have to go through all of that if he would have just took heed earlier. When, when Pharaoh let the people go, he said, he told Moses, take your people and some of mine. <laughs> he, 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 was, he finally heeded to the warning. But you know what? I, I said God don't have to strike me down with cancer. He don't have to let no plague. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve the Lord. I won't have to do anything out of the ordinary in my life to get my attention. Lord, here am I. And I just want to yield myself fully and completely over to him. Okay? So, in the Old Testament times, during Ezekiel time, 
they heard a sound of the trumpet. And when they heard that sound, that they, they knew something was wrong. Just like the day we hear that, that siren, you know, we know that the weather might be bad. We got to contact, you know, get in touch with a television station, radio station, because um, we know the weather is going to be bad. So sometimes the things that we said or things that we didn't say, the things we did or the things that we didn't do, the things that we thought and or the things that we, or the way we were them thinking. And so some people, they say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'll make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to start going to church <laughs> because that's, it's something on the inside. And they needed to be motivated by something. But you know what? New Year's is not always promised to us. We need to take the hope and hold it to God's word. All right? So if we, look, if we go back to Colossians, Paul preaching warning to every man. So all of us had the warning. The warning comes before destruction. And so we need to take heed to the warning. Now the next part, after the warning comes the teaching. I took heed of the warning. I'm here. Now I need to be taught. What is the word of God teaching me? It's teaching me to be holy, to be consecrated, to be separate from the world, to be set apart from sin, that we might have intimate fellowship with God and to serve him gladly. That is sanctification. It's teaching us that we need to be set apart. You know, for a long time, people had it wrong. They thought sanctification was a religion. <clears throat> they said there's a Methodist church, the Baptist church, and the sanctified church. <laughs> And, and, and realizing that sanctification is for all of us. There was a group, a singing group, they wrote a song because they weren't really into sanctification. But when they learned something, the title of their song was, I'm Sanctified Now. <laughs> and they sung that song because it's more than a religion. It's a part of God's purpose for our lives. All right? Okay. Um, in First Thessalonians uh, 5 and 23, it reads, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. I'm talking, that, that's the rest of my life. You know, I'm going to be sanctified, set apart for God's work for the rest of my life. So when I'm set apart from God's work, I need to make a commitment. Sometimes people are scared of commitment. I don't want to make no commitment, Pastor. <laughs> that means that I got to be there. And you know what? I think about that. Jesus made a commitment to us. He, he went all the way to the cross. He died and he rose again. He suffered. He made a commitment to us. Jesus had to die to be pleasing to God. That means he was the, the ultimate sacrifice. So he had, to be die, he had to die to be pleasing to God. And God, you know what God told us? We can, we can be a living sacrifice. We can be pleasing to God, and God still let us live. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's a good deal. 
Jesus had to die, and we can be, uh, we can live. So when you when we read the Bible, we see words, and they really mean uh, they 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 mean sanctify. It says, "In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly." I pray that your whole spirit, your soul, and body be preserved, preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. Now, the Scripture um, standard for sanctification is expressed in certain terms: love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. We heard that that sanctification that's in Matthew twenty-two and thirty-seven. Unblameable in holiness. In First Thessalonians three and thirteen, perfecting holiness in Second Corinthians seven and one, charity of a pure heart and of a good conscience and faith unfeigned in First Timothy one and five. That's all sanctification. Sincere without offense, uh, Philippians one and ten, made free from sin, Romans six and eighteen. And service to righteousness unto holiness, that's Romans 6 and 19. Keep his commands, um, that's, and that's 1 John 3 and 22. And 1 John 5 and 4, overcoming the world, that's sanctification. Because when you overcome the world, you got to overcome the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. God wants us to be sanctified, all right? Christ delivered us from sin's bondage. Okay? Let's go to Romans. We're going to read this. Romans 6 chapter. In Romans 6 chapter, it lets us know that Christ delivered us from uh, sin's bondage and power. Okay? So don't have no more power over us if we want to live a sanctified Life. Uh, verse one. Shall we continue in sin? Shall we say? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall the, we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead. By the glory of the Father, even so shall we walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planned together in his likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that um, we henceforth should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now if there be if, if, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no dominion over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11. Likewise, reckon yourselves, ye also yourselves, to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive through God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ deliver us from the bondage and the power of sin. There's a lot of people saying a lot of different things out there, but I don't think it's according to the word of God. Um, Pastor Cornette always makes an example, and I think all of us can remember that, 
if there was a thief, y'all know the example, and he died, and we lay him here, we can declare that he won't steal no more. Because <laughs> he did. And, 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 and the verse 11 says, Likewise, reckon yourselves also be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Now, the only thing about this flesh is that it wants to get up every morning <laughs> and live. So you got to put this flesh to death every day. Paul said, I die daily. So, so don't get uh, relaxed when it comes to the flesh because this flesh want to come back alive and start all the trouble. You know the trouble of the flesh to start. Okay. First uh, John 2 and 1 says, My little children, these things are right unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. First John 3 and 6 says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, and whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. I have everything inside of me to fall. I have everything that, I, that the devil will want for me to fall. You, but, but I don't focus on falling. And also, God has given me everything I need to stand. And I, that's what I focus on. I focus on standing. Now, it's, there's a song that says, it's, it's good to know he'll be there if ever you fall. If you fall, God will be there, pick you up. But it's better to know that I don't have to fall at all because he's able to keep me from falling. God is able. God has the strength to keep me from falling. And so that's what he wanted for um, Israel. Um, he wanted Israel to be um, sanctified. Sanctification was the will of God for Israelites. And he wanted their lives to be separated from all the nations around them. But Israel fell into sin, and God had to punish them through a nation that was more wicked than themselves. And so they had to live in that bondage. Sanctification is a requirement for believers in Christ. Scripture teaches that, and and a lot of times we don't hear that a lot. Hebrews 12 and 14, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Okay? So we want to see the Lord's face in peace. We want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Um, sanctification is both a work of God and a work of the people. In order to accomplish God's will and sanctification, believers must participate in order, um, participate in order to accomplish God's will. They must cease from doing evil, Romans 6 and 1. Purifying themselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. That's the six. Um, and and um, to keep themselves um, from being polluted by the world. And so in, in our teaching, teaching, we are our students 
And in the, in the word of God, that's called disciples. And we, um, we repeat of saying discipleship. We will strive to be like Christ. And so that's very simple if we just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It talks about the, the life of Christ. And we look at his life, and we, we strive to be like him and to do what he did. All right? Now that we can present every man, go back to Colossians 1 and 28, that we may present, first it was um, the warning to every man, the teaching to man, and presenting every man unto Christ. Every man perfect in Christ Jesus. In other words, now is the presentation. I've been sanctified. Now God's going to present me in Christ Jesus, a mature individual. I'm ready to do the will of God. I'm ready to work for God. All right? Now, how do we sometimes we find our purpose? Sometimes we find our purpose through trials. It's kind of a hard situation sometimes, and we don't want to think about it, but sometimes God works his will while we're going through <laughs> some things in, in our lives. In James 1 and 2, he says, count it all joy. There was a, a missionary, and it's a true story. He got ready to go to the mission field, and he was all excited. And before he could do anything, he got killed. He, was, he died. And so people wanted to know why. And I think we've all asked that question. Um, when we had loved ones that die. Sometimes it's, a, it's the hardest question to ask. Sometimes that question lingers a long time. Sometimes it hurts just to even ask the question. And, and it's the question that everybody's asked. But he didn't say count it all happiness. He said count it all joy. Happiness comes from the word happening. So when things are happening around you that you like, you're happy because of the things that are around you that are happening. Uh, a lot of us probably enjoyed our family over the holidays, and that was a happy time. But your family going home, <laughs> a lot of times your family might not even live in Wisconsin. They may live somewhere else. But joy is something that um, is a supernatural delight that comes from God. Now, there, there's an order of joy, J-O-Y, okay? J-O-Y, if you keep this order, then I think you'll be okay. J-O-Y, joy. Jesus is first. Others are second. And yourself, you're last. Jesus others, and yourself. And, if, and I think why a lot of people don't have joy because they want to think about themselves. When you think about yourself, you're going to be a miserable person. But when you put Jesus first, <clears throat> then others, and then yourself last, you find God's order of joy. Um, so to count means to, to measure or to calculate. 
or this place. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse types of trials or different types of trials. That's what they, that's what they got that, the word from um, Joseph. He had a coat of many colors. He had many colors on his coat. He had a diverse type of coat. And, and they got that, food, um, that, that word diverse from. So what, would, what do we do when we're not in Christ? We want to dull the pain. The trial comes, and we want to dull the pain. And sometimes we, some people dull the pain with food. <laughs> they say, well, you know, I eat this good meal. I might not feel so bad after all. And then they fool and painful. <laughs> Still got the pain. They might have two pains after that. <laughs> Need some anti-acid pills. <laughs> Sometimes people want to want to dull the pain with entertainment. I'll just entertainment something to keep me from thinking. I just won't think about the pain. I'll just be entertained. Sometimes people burst out in anger or substance abuse because they're going through a trial. And Jesus is saying, just yield yourself to the trial. I'm trying to teach you something. Um, how can this trial advance the purpose of God in my life. And sometimes we might not see it while we're going through it, but when we look back on it, we see that, you know, this is what God was doing in my life. Uh, I was talking to a group of men, and I told them I worked at a place called Medall. Now, I don't know if anybody here worked at Medall. Medall got to be one of the roughest places on the top side of this earth. <laughs> It was aluminum foundry, and you worked hard. Um, I remember one guy came in there talking about when did we get a coffee break. <laughs> said, you don't get none here. <laughs> you don't get no coffee break here. They, they didn't give you no breaks. I don't know how they got away with it. They didn't give us no breaks. They gave us our lunch. When I worked at Medall, that was the first time I was ever in an ambulance. Uh, I worked at Medall the first time I've ever been shocked like I've been shocked. Um, first time I worked, only time in the middle I fell in some, to some boiling hot water up to my knee. And when I got to another job, there was no hard job after that. <laughs> All the rest of my job seemed so easy. I said, thank you, Lord. After I left that place. But the reason why I mention that is God used that job to make me. You know, I had to go through those things in life in order to be able to touch the lives of other people. Okay. Um, so trials separate the men from the boys. Trials separate the sheep from the goat. And trial will separate the tear from the wheat. Trials produce staying power. 
Okay. Now, a lot of men, when they play basketball, and I was one, there come times you twist your ankle and you think it's broke. <laughs> you twist it so bad. But they tell you, put your foot in a bucket of ice. And if you can take that ice, you, you can take that, sw- that the swelling will go down. The longer you will stay in that ice, the more the swelling will go down. But the temptation was, this is cold. <laughs> take your foot out of that ice. What I'm saying is God has a purpose for our trials. And if we can just stay in it long enough, God's going to work his purpose out in our lives. Sometimes it's hard to wait on the Lord. The scripture says, wait on him and be of good courage. Uh, uh, and I said, wait on the Lord. Sometimes we're, we're, sometimes we're waiting, but we're not patient. We're not patiently waiting. I'm just waiting. Now, I... I I testify this. When my wife and I first got married, we had one car. And she had to come pick me up from work. And it seemed like, and I just, just, just seemed like to me, <laughs> she was always late <laughs> from picking me up from work. This place was, went this metal place. I wanted to get away from that place. <laughs> so a lot of days I would start walking. <laughs> I wasn't very patient uh, at the time. Psalms 27 and 13 says, I have fainted unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So patience produces um, patience produces uh, this Greek word I want to go to, hopeful meaning, it means to remain under if I can remain under the test long enough for God to sculpt me, then I will be, I will come out like what God wants me to be. Um, there's a lot of things we want to do instead of going through the test or going through the trial or even fasting for that. For that. There's a lot of things that we could do. You see, the if the nail doesn't remain under the hammer, it won't serve its purpose. Okay? Um, if the diamond doesn't stay under the chisel, it won't, it won't be the sparkling diamonds that, that, that you all wear. Um, if gold doesn't stay under the fire, it won't be refined. It just, it just won't be refined. Um, I know something about not so much gold, but aluminum. You see, when, that, when you heat that aluminum up and it becomes a liquid, all the impurities float at the top. And you have to skim off those impurities. Those that go right back into the gold. So Joe made a statement. Because we know the trials of Joe. He said, um, he knoweth the way I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The, the, the gold process is really something because 
that gold is heated up seven different times. And every time they heat it up, it gets a little bit hotter. And so if we have a 15-degree trial, our next trial might be 2,000 degrees. <laughs> and, it, and it gets hotter and hotter and hotter until God says, all right, this is pure gold, something I can use. Um, so our trials produce transformation, and we can cut the process short. But God wants us to be, if, if we... If we're in, if we're in um, James, he wants us to be perfect and tired, wanting nothing, not lacking wisdom, as in faith, and not being double-minded. He wants us to totally submit ourselves to God and say, here I am, Lord. <clears throat> I'll do what you want me to do. I'll fast. I'll pray. That's a commitment to God. And I said earlier, Jesus committed himself totally to us. He came, he, he left an environment that was perfect to come down here and to die for us, to suffer and to die for us. And he just wants us to be committed to his word. I just want to say a little bit about fasting, then we're going to close up. Fasting helps you become the axe. There was a story about Abraham Lincoln and, and, and his axe, chopping trees. Abraham Lincoln said, I could do more in two hours with a sharp axe than you can in four hours with a dull one. All right? You get that? Abraham Lincoln said, I could do more in two hours with a sharp axe than you can do in four hours with a dull one. And for, so fasting sharpens our axe so we can do more for God and not just going through the motions. If you feel like this is a traditional thing to you, I'm getting bored, I'm coming, it's a routine. And start going to fast. God will stir up some of that excitement in you. The psalmist said, I, I humble my soul with fasting. And you know what's inside the soul? The mind, the will, the emotion. We know our mind can get us in trouble. And so God said, I, hum, I humble myself with uh, my mind with fasting. You know, our will, some of us are strong-willed people. Our will will get us in trouble. And Lord knows our emotions. <laughs> but the psalmist said, I humble my soul with fasting. And I just want to announce that on the 3rd of January, we're going on a fast as a, as a, as a people. To start the year off right, fasting. 21 days with a strict liquid. Um, what we do is we drink juice in the morning, um, green energy. I drink just green energy. Now, this is powder. It, it don't taste all that good, but it gives you strength <laughs> to make it through the day. Uh, it's called green energy. Um, then 
in the, in the uh, early afternoon, we drank tea with no caffeine in it and um, some, maybe some honey to kind of sweeten it up. And then you take broth at night. The broth could be, uh, it, it would be the vegetable juice. You can heat it, just vegetable broth. You don't eat the vegetables, you just drink the broth, okay? So we realize sanctification is a part of God's purpose for our lives. Jesus came, he died, he rose again. Let us stand.